0: Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by North Larcher Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the North Larcher Libraries podcast for the Love of Books. My name is Chris Wilson, the eServices librarian, and today I am joined with two of our librarians, Thomas Clark from Cope and Drew Feeney from Avery Library. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Hi Chris. Hi Hi Thomas. Drew, you've been here before and done it, but Thomas, this is your debut on the podcast, Are You Nervous?
1: I'm very excited. I'm a long-time <laughs> listener, a big long-time fan. Really
0: looking forward to it, Chris. Fantastic. But you've got the easy job today because what we're going to do today is that we, we, Thomas, put together a quiz for World Book Night and we thought we'd bring a shortened version to that, to the podcast and basically give you a chance to kind of beat the librarians in a literary quiz. So uh, myself and Drew are going to try and answer some of the questions that Thomas put together and you guys can listen along and see how you scored in comparison to us. So Thomas, you've got the easy job in in terms of you just have to ask us the questions. It's me and Drew that are under the spotlight of trying to prove that we know something about books, uh, which may be a challenge. We'll see how that goes. Um, If you're listening and need a little bit of time to think about your answer, you could pause the podcast and kind of things like that. And of course, you could also let us know how you get on on our social media afterwards as well, so feel free to kind of let us know. But without further ado, Thomas, I think I will pass on to you for the hosting duties for this, and you can ask away with your questions, and we'll see how Drew and I get on. Oh,
2: I'm,
0: right. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to admit I am slightly nervous. I hate quizzes.
2: <laughs> I, I am too. I'm not necessarily even sure the level that we're at here, Thomas. Are, are we at a university <laughs> challenge level? Is that what we're kind of talking about here?
1: Y- you'll find out, Drew. Oh,
2: you'll no. find out. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> The pressure is on.
1: <laughs> right, so just like everybody else at just like you were saying, Chris, I'll give you a couple of minutes to confer in between each question, so you can talk it out with each other, and if you've come to a conclusion jointly about the answer, brilliant. If you've got your own answer and you just can't agree, fine, that's, that's good as well. So the first question is going to be a question about crime and mystery. Mm-hmm. The question is this, which seminal Scottish crime novel by William McIlvaney Features on this year's World Book
0: Night shortlist. Oh dear, so oh. we should have, been, we should have made, paid more attention to the book list, <laughs> Oh, I
2: know, gosh, there's so many brilliant lists just now. Um, what do you think, Chris? There's there's about two or three William McIlvannies I kind of um, can think of, but it's only really the famous ones.
0: I don't know, really, I'm, I'm not a big, big one, William McIlvanny books. Yeah. I don't really know. I, the only one... I think I can think of as as the kind of is it Laidlaw or something like that yeah that's that's called yeah Uh, so I think it might potentially be that because that's
2: yeah (laughs) I was going to say there's Laidlaw the other one is Doherty but I think Laidlaw is the kind of crime one Thomas just to confirm it's William and not Liam McElvaney it's William
1: that's correct yeah Um, yeah William. absolutely right
2: Okay. I think I think lead law, Chris. Uh, are we going are we going law? I think so. I think that's the kinda of obvious one it probably. I mean if it's on a, a a list as well, it would have to be probably the biggest of them yeah. all, wouldn't
0: it? You'd you think so. You'd think so. Okay. So let's go with that then. Okay, Laidlaw. we're we walking in lead then I think <laughs> for this <that> one. <laughs> all right
1: then. Well, that was a good shout, uh, Drew, because it hadn't occurred to me that, of course, Liam McIlvaney, William McIlvaney's son, is a pretty well-known s- s- crime writer in his own right, and a pretty good one as well.
0: Yeah. But no,
1: it's William McIlvaney we're thinking of, and you're absolutely right. Yes. Crime novel on this Woo-hoo. World Book night Scott got it list today, or this time around anyway, it is *Laidlaw*. Law. Hurrah. <laughs> I Excellent. Good start, Drew. Good start. Thank you. Well done, Chris. Well done. <laughs> Excellent. Off to a flyer. <laughs> Uh, of course, that's the first uh, trilogy of books, as you were, I think, alluding to, Drew. The first mm-hmm. trilogy of books featuring Jack Laidlaw. Well, yeah. what trilogy? No, that no, there's Ian Rankin's done one as well. So, right, Laidlaw is the answer there.
2: Brilliant.
1: Right. Good start. We'll move on to horror New oh. Horror. Which American Gothic fiction author wrote Interview with a Vampire? Okay.
2: Do you remember so, that? Do you remember the film with that, though, as well? I the
0: remember film. the movie with Brad Pitt
2: yeah
0: For, uh, um, Tom,
2: Tom Cruise
0: as well oh yeah that's right Tom Cruise was
2: that too
0: yeah, that, uh, he, he was the um,
2: baddie. that's right uh, yeah. any anyway. ideas Chris now it's kind of I, I think I might know this one I think I might know this because there was a whole series of these books based around those characters and Tom Cruise's character was called Lestat or something like that and he oh, was a yeah. sort of baddie um, and I think the name that's jumping right into my head, see what you think, is Anne Rice.
0: That's that's the one I had in my head as well, because that's pretty much the only kind of vampire-y novel person that I know other than Charlene Harris, and I don't think Mm. it was Charlene Harris that wrote that because she wrote uh, the True Blood books. That's right. So, yeah, I'm happy to go with that too, Drew. Okay,
2: well, we will then, Thomas. We'll lock in (laughs) Anne Rice for an interview with the vampire. All right, then. Well, you're absolutely right. There is a there's a
1: huge series of them, starting for interview with the vampire and going through the vampire listat and all the rest
2: of it. And spot on, they were all written by Anne Rice. Fantastic. I like the way that quite a lot of them seem to be set in like New Orleans. You know and the kind of deep south and that and I think that's where she lived as well and and it's very um it's the location is as much a part of the stories as, as the characters in those sort of books um and I always wanted to kind of visit I've never been to New Orleans but always fancied it because of that.
1: Aye 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 no you're absolutely right I, I everything I know about New Orleans I know for <laughs> the film and the book
2: Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> brilliant. brilliant. How's
0: the aye, if you, if you do ever visit, you need to watch out for the vampires too. <laughs> exactly,
2: exactly. It's the story of my life, Chris. <laughs> oh, it's tiny horror. Thomas Harris's best-selling
1: 1988 novel, *The Silence of the Lambs*, was actually a sequel.
2: What was the name of the first book in that series? Oh, this is a sneaky one. This is a sneaky one because. Do you have any ideas on this one, Chris?
0: The first thing that pops into my head is, I uh, want say something like Headhunter, but I don't think it's Headhunter uh, because uh, that's the Joan Nesbo book, I'm sure, uh, which is called Headhunter, but it's something kind of like that, I think.
2: Yeah, I know where you're coming from here, but the, Thomas, there, there's a sneaky bit here, isn't there? There's a sneaky bit, because the film of this, now there was two versions of the film of this. Um, the first one was called, was it Manhunter? But that wasn't Maybe the name of the kind of book. Of but that wasn't the name of the book. Uh, there was two versions of it. So the the so Silence of the Lambs was the sequel. So it must have been. Uh, I know this. It's not Hannibal because Hannibal was the one after it. It's um. I got it, Is it well? Will we go for Chris. I'm thinking Red Dragon.
0: Oh, do you know I. You just be, be remember that I actually have uh, that, This is terrible. I can't actually think of the, the answer because I actually have the trilogy book somewhere that that I had, and, and I'm pretty sure it, it does have. It's definitely dragon. Dragons definitely in the title. Ah, so yeah. that must have been huge.
2: It must have been a book. Like, it was. It, was, it was really,
0: big, really, class, really it's right, like right. a bible. Um, <laughs> so, yeah um but uh yeah I, i'm we'll go with that i can't believe i've completely forgot i actually owned that that, that trilogy <laughs> book. i don't even know if it is it's, it's probably put in a loft somewhere
2: ah, that was a really sneaky one thomas if that is the answer because because there was two film versions of the same book but they were called different things that's right isn't it do you want yeah, to go for, right well we go for red dragon yeah go for it red dragon then I-
1: there was Don't. two film versions of that book, you're absolutely right, Drew. And the first one was called Manhunter, and it was made oh. before Silence of the Lambs, and it starred our very own Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter. And it's actually a really good film. Believe it or not, mm. very different, the Silence of the Lambs. But you're right, the book itself and the subsequent remake of the film was called Red Dragon. Ah, Starved. brilliant. Edward Norris, I'm
2: thinking. Hmm. It was... was um... Ah, uh, he was one of the characters, wasn't he? Was Hopkins, was Anthony Hopkins' lector in the remake and the second yes. one? That's right. Aye. But but anyway, so he had to play his younger self, but effectively in a film that came after the one that made him famous. That's uh, <laughs> absolutely right. Very <laughs> confusing. Very <laughs> confusing.
0: And it's, and it's definitely not Headhunter, that was, I'm pretty sure that is a Joan Nesbill book, so it absolutely nothing to do with Silence of the Lambs, so there you go. <laughs> you remember I, thinking I
1: Manhunter, though, Chris. I mean, you were kind of... Yeah. Yeah, Aye. yeah. Possibly. There was maybe something ticking away at the
2: back of your head there. we doing mean, well here,
0: by at, the way. At this point, I'm just glad that Drew is my teammate in this.
2: These <laughs> ah, are really good, though. That was a sneaky one, Thomas. That was a oh, sneaky one. Drew, Drew. We, could, we could have is... went either way there. We could have went either <laughs> way. <laughs> if you
1: think that was sneaky, you're going to enjoy the next round a lot because it's poetry. And I can oh. tell you two are, are guys
2: that are right into your <laughs> rhyming. Oh, no. Oh, so, We've done well so far but this is where it probably ends this is, this is where it uh, falls apart no no belief believe in yourself
1: lads right poetry which animal is described in a poem by robert burns as a wee sleek cowering timorous beastie
2: gosh mm. lord well right i don't so
0: know wee, that I don't, um, I'm not, I, I'm I'm going to confess, I'm not, I don't really know, I'm not big on my Robert Burns poetry, so I don't know the answer to this, but I'm just thinking of what, so it's a wee, sleek, coward and timorous, timorous beastie. beastie.
2: Yeah, by a process of elimination, right, so it's small.
0: Yeah, small, and, and it's a, so, something that can be described as a beastie, so it's going to be kind of.
2: Yeah, and timorous, uh, so kind of maybe a wee bit sort of shy and kind of, I don't know um and and to be round in, in the time of rabbi burns it's got to be like something like i don't know Is
0: that a ro- rodent or something or some kind of rodent? Aye, it's not a cat or a dog if it's wee. no <laughs> i don't think you'd describe it as a beastie if it was a dog or a cat or something like that it must aye. be something get kind of like something that people are kind of maybe some people are frightened of or something or Let oh, you go, don't there, really you go. Like? there you
2: go so i was going to say it's kind of be a dog so so what's that a mouse then
0: well, we go. we we'll go with mouse. I th- I, mouse is what I th- that screams out to me. Cause I would say it was a, that was that's what the kind of description makes me think.
2: Yeah, let's do that. I'm hopeless at Robert Burns, shamefully so. But
0: shall yeah. we go
2: with that? Let's go with that. A mouse, Thomas. Go for it.
1: Mouse. Nice. All yes. right. Well, I've never said it was right. I was just oh, I'm jumping the gun here. Come <laughs> <doing."> <laughs> 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 Beast is one of it. the great Scots words that could mean anything. You know, if somebody says, oh, I just saw a beast and it could mean anything to like a spider to a beetle to a... In this case, mouse, you're absolutely right. Oh, Robert oh, runs around about a
2: mouse in his famous poem, To a Mouse. Oh, do you know it could have been a kind of insect, though? I never thought it looked like mm. a spider or something. Aye, like. aye. aye. Well, that's, what,
1: that's what bairns mean when they say beastie, you know. If your uh-huh. son your daughter comes running in and says, oh, I saw a beastie, a beastie, they mean something they found under a
2: rock, didn't they? Aha, uh-huh. uh-huh, of course. Ah, oh, oh, there you go. Well, we went the right way, Chris. We jumped the right way there. Excellent. Thank goodness. So so where are we? Are we four out of four here so He's far? A four out of four, aye. Thank Check you. it out. Uh, that's this is great. where the
1: run ends. This is the hard one. <laughs> this is the hard one. Oh, this no. is your last, second and final poetry question. Thank, <laughs> thank goodness. This is, this is not, that's a <laughs> point. Which disaster is the subject of a poem by Dundee's William McGonagall, who has been widely acclaimed as the worst poet in history? Oh.
0: I'm just going to put it out there, I've never heard of Volume McGonagall ever, so. A disaster,
2: um, a disaster. So that could mean natural disasters, that could mean sort of maybe accidental did things?
0: You, did you say it was from Dundee? Dundee. Dundee? Could there be any kind of Dundee connection? I don't really, I can't think of any disaster related to Dundee. I um, so how about, so,
2: uh, I mean, any idea no I'm not I'm I was going to ask about time frames there yeah. Thomas that would be sneaky of me and, and probably cheeky of me Aye, that would be cheeky so what do you think Chris if it's like if he's the worst poet of it has got to be a 20th century thing I think it's got to I be so. yeah so yeah
0: disasters in the 20th century I fancy looking it up just for the fact he's described as the worst poet ever uh-huh. <laughs>
2: That, but that's last we're done,
1: you absolutely need to read the poem by the way it is
2: genius in uh-huh. the worst and best possible way oh fantastic that sounds really intriguing that makes me I exactly that, want to go look I'm... up
0: afterwards but I have no idea um okay Dundee, so what's famous about Dundee um, um uh,
2: the, the, the Bruins the, the Sunday post <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't know the, so disasters disaster Ty- Titanic asks Kind of comes into my mind the sinking of the Titanic. What other things did we have? There was.
0: Oh. I'm only throw a weight behind the Titanic because my son's obsessed with the Titanic at the moment, so I'm Howdy. quite happy for us to go with that.
2: <laughs> aye, aye. Uh, let's do that because in the absence of anything no else, you want to? I know. So well, we say that we'll say Titanic.
0: Yep. The Titanic. Tom,
1: there we go. That is interesting because uh, William McGonagall wrote loads of poems about sad things happening. It was as we met um, and you were on the right track, Chris, when you were talking about something Dundee related, because the one I'm thinking of, the one that he's, he's most famous for, is a poem about the Tay Bridge disaster.
2: Ah, oh, hmm. right, okay, and there you go, obviously. Aye, ah. Definitely but, worth reading. But he's got a reputation as being the worst poet in the world, ever. In the world. I, I oh, really? I, I, I'm I, surprised do, you do, haven't heard him. I mean, somebody you know would
1: be all proud of in the poetry world. Do, do you know why
0: he's regarded as the worst?
2: So Tristan, okay. regarded <laughs> so the thing, you're, you're sending everyone, Google, the Google hits for William McGonagall, of, you know, after this podcast goes out, are going to be huge. <laughs> I, I wish I'd sent one of
1: his poems out so I could read you a wee bit, but honestly, you are missing out if you've not read any William
2: McGonagall yet. Brilliant. Four out of five, right that's there. still. That's all
0: right, <laughs> eh? We're that's never not going right. to get a perfect score. Let's face it, are we? No. Me,
2: no. Way. no. <laughs> as soon as soon as, as soon as Thomas said the word poetry, we were never getting a perfect score. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't think there's anyone there who's got 5.85 yet. I'll be very surprised if there's anyone who's beaten you, but you never know. You never well, know. Well, and well done if you have.
0: Yeah. Aye, aye. Well done if you have. Exactly. We should maybe get, get them on a quiz <laughs> in future if that's true. Absolutely. All right, so round four
1: is Scottish literature. Okay. The first question is, born in Cardin Den, Fife, which Scottish crime writer is best known for their Inspector Rebus novels? That's
2: an easy one. There you go. Yeah. That's good, because we kind of touched on that earlier when we talked about Liam McElvaney, didn't we? When, this person's written a, a book in conjunction with them fairly recently, yeah. which we have in our library just now. I've, I've actually just walked past it 10 minutes or so ago. We've got loads of them sitting on our table at the door. So um, I am going to say Ian Rankin for that one. Chris, what
0: do you think? And I am 100% behind you on that one. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Then you're 100% right. And yes Ian Rankin book
2: you're
1: talking about is The Dark Remains.
0: Yes, That's
2: yes. That's been a really popular one um, over the last kind of few weeks, certainly in our library here. It's, um, I think, just that, the marriage of two sort of heavyweight sort of names you know that even that's enough just to sell itself but it's it's yeah. been really popular and the feedback on it has been really really sort of positive as well so uh, it's the same yeah. here it's
1: you know you see the two names in a book and it catches your eye like you're saying you walk past and you can and you'll look at a book that's by Ian Rankin and William McIlvany. so yeah the absolute absolutely right the answer is Ian Rankin brilliant. That's a brilliant next time. question about Scottish literature which Scottish school teacher is played by Maggie Smith
0: in the film of Muriel Sparks' novel? Mm,
2: mm, I'm, I'm trying to blank on this one Drew, I've no idea. Oh really Chris, so I'll give you a bit of context to this, our new tricks group in the library here in Airdrie and um, quite often we have uh, film screenings and this author Muriel Spark celebrated a big anniversary maybe a year or two ago yeah. um, I can't recall exactly what the anniversary was, but there was um the book trust had gifted all of our libraries with collections of um, the entirety of Muriel Sparks' works. I, so, think, I, think, I think they gifted the, it to
0: the whole Scotland. I
2: the sure. whole, every, mm. every library and every authority, yeah. So if you go around any of our libraries in North Lanarkshire at the moment, they've got really, really extensive Muriel Spark collections, and this is because of that. Um, but this particular film, as part of our new tricks sessions at, that year, a couple of years back, we showed this particular film here in the library, um, and they absolutely loved it. And I'm going to say that it is Miss Jean Brodie, for Maggie Smith because and the reason that's the reason I know this because we showed this film here in the library recently for our new tracks group so what do yeah. you think Chris? I
0: have absolutely no idea so yeah I'm going. I'm quite happy to go with that as well.
2: Well there's no point in trying to build up suspense because you're very confident Drew, and you're absolutely <laughs> <Yes>. right. <laughs> yes. Jean ah, Brody. Brilliant. She the was, very, the of Jean Brody. Yeah she was very young in that Thomas eh, Maggie Smith I think it was ah. a 60s thing or something like that she was very ah. kind of. I think uh, so. I think so.
1: But she didn't. had they actually changed that much over the uh, years. I mean, I know she looks a bit older, but no much
2: older, considering. Aha, Because you can, you can. It's literally a straight line. She could be Jean Brodie in one scene and Professor McGonagall from from Harry Potter in <laughs> the next one. <laughs> you know, it's exactly the same. But it was fantastic, and and the the new tricks group absolutely loved it. That was one of their, their kind of favourite film screenings. Yeah. definitely, uh, yeah. definitely. brilliant. It brought back a lot of memories. Yeah, well, I think so. I think there was a lot of kind of reminiscing about, you know, school at that particular time and stuff like that. So it was a real sort of conversation starter as well. It was excellent. It was excellent. Aye. It was one they do talk about a lot. So hmm. that's the only reason I know that because it wasn't a film I'd came across myself, but until Aye. we had to screen it, but it was excellent. So Aye. excellent. Aye.
1: Well, worth getting the book out for your, your expansive collection of Muriel Sparks and yeah. the Andrew <laughs> Library, Drew, because it is a good, great <laughs> book and a great yeah. film. All right, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, eight. Next question: Still in Scottish literature, which comic strip family were created by Dudley D. Watkins?
0: Oh, right, so that's a comic strip. So, who who are Scott, famous Scottish comic books? So, um, you mentioned well, the Bruins earlier, that's that's it,
2: yeah. that could be one. But you know, the Dandy and the Beano and all that are they're they're Dundee as well, are they not? DC Thompson so and there's kind of families within them and our willies
0: that as well oh, oh yeah. maybe he's trying to trick us again chris i know that, that's, a, that's a difficult one because because I, I do you know I, like i i've, I've never I, i've never thought about all these things for so for so long i remember getting, <laughs> like buying bino comics whenever i was wee and i i don't think i've ever seen one i, I don't do even still do them i don't know
2: i think they're online now they, they in the print the print editions kind of stopped but I think they're online now so you can still mm. you can still find these things but that's quite a tricky one so use the word family there Thomas Aye. family that's right. I don't know Chris is it kind of random enough though that I don't know families within the Beano or the Dandy or anything like that is the safe bet saying the Bruns. I don't know yeah. or, or Wully I don't know that wasn't necessarily a family sort of exactly. thing
0: Aye. Uh, I think the fact that, that the Bruns sounds like as if it would be a kind of family, like, that, that's obviously a family, so that kind of maybe is where the, yeah. the question's leading to. Yeah,
2: let's
0: go with that then, eh? Yeah, okay. go for that. We'll we'll go on, we're going with the Bruins.
1: Absolutely right, the Bruns is yes. spot on. <laughs> yes. uh, good bit of background knowledge about Dundee being the home of so many Scottish and British comics, like you know, the, the Statue of Desperate Dan in Dundee and whatnot. But I, it's the Bruins in
2: particular, I was thinking of this time. Brilliant. Oh, that's really good. What was the guy's name there? Sorry. Dudley, Dudley? D. Watkins. There you go. There you go. That's a new one. i have never heard of that before. Brilliant.
1: Everybody's oh. heard of the Bruins. Nobody's aye.
2: Heard
0: Dudley D. Watkins. Aye. Brilliant. It's funny because, because you do you get to know the, car- the cartoon characters so well, but not so much necessarily the people behind them. That's yeah.
2: Like, yeah. yeah. Absolutely right. And of course, they still the annual still out. It's a, still a big hit every year, and, and every year we sort of buy it for the libraries as well. That you know the Brunes annual or the Orwell annual at Christmas, and people still like to read them. You know, well,
1: my my still gets me the Brunes and the Year annual at Christmas, and I'm not going to pretend I don't read them. I absolutely, do. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, All righty, this is the last question on Scottish literature. Since 2004, Scotland has had four mackers or national poets? Can you name any one to the four markers? Oh, good question.
0: Mm. I'm oh. going to say I think I know one, Drew. I, I feel quite confident in this one because I'm pretty sure one of them visited Motherwell Library. Yes, at one point.
2: Yes, I was going to um, say that exactly same thing. And I, I well, if you're thinking of that person, I've got another name then as well. So fairly confident, uh, Thomas, we might be able to say them?
0: Two, at least wow. two. Wow! All yeah. right. Um, I'm yeah. going to say Liz Lockhead. Yes. Good one. She, I think she was from New York Hill or something like that. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure there's a local connection to to Lancashire somehow. Yeah. Um, she, with Liz Lockhead. She visited Motherwell
2: Library a few years back, didn't she? That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say Jackie Kay then
0: as well. That what was, was what? the other one that was coming to mind for me. I, I thought that that was like the, that was the two that I could think of. Mm-hmm. I was definitely coughing about Liz Lockhead. I thought Jackie Key might have been another another option. Yeah. So I think but I th- I'm not sure I
2: uh, in what order they came in, but I'm fairly we're fairly certain both of those were the marker at some point. Yeah. Um so we'll go for we'll go for both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Do we get a bonus point if we get two it of the
0: four?
2: Well, the, okay. that was
1: good background knowledge for Chris about Liz Lockhead being a red local to North Lanarkshire, which of course she is. And she was the second of the four Mackers. Jackie Kay, you're right, Drew, was the third of the four right. Mackers. The first one, way back at the Reformation in the Scottish Parliament, was Edwin Morgan. Oh, and man. the final one, who was only just recently appointed, and therefore it's no
2: got huge surprise that you wouldn't know who it is, is Kathleen Jamie. And she's oh, the current person. All right, okay. okay. Brilliant well done. Oh, excellent. That was good. That was good. Edwin Morgan, yes, because he was a, the poet, wasn't he, Edwin Morgan? That's right, aye. Aye, I remember that, but aye. Um, Liz Lockhead, definitely. I remember that one, as Chris says, because she came to his one year and it was it was a really good event in Motherwell. Yeah,
0: and I, and I think I would I, I remember it was, we build it as being like, um she was, I don't know, I can't remember if she was the maker at the time or whether... So it was kind of which you previously had been but I remember we mentioned that in the, the, the promo for it so yeah, that's right.
2: fantastic that's really good that was a good one that has have definitely been worth seeing brilliant. all
0: right
1: so we're moving on now from Scottish literature to world literature I've got a couple okay. of questions for you about world literature oh goodness <laughs> <laughs> we're doing well Chris we're doing well
2: we're doing brilliant, you know, I
1: think yeah. brilliant. Yeah. first question on world literature whose adventures were chronicled by the Belgian cartoonist Georges Remi
0: George
1: Whose Remy. adventures were chronicled by the Belgian cartoonist Georges Rémy? No
0: oh. adventures
2: so Belgian so Belgian um I can immediately say going to say Tintin but that was um Herge and I don't know if Herge was a sort of pen name for Georges Remi um it could be I uh, if it was Belgian, but The Adventures of Tintin might be. that. Yeah, the
0: The Adventures part of the question kind of makes you think that I try to think of any other kind of big kind of cartoon
2: mm-hmm. thing. Um, mm. Georges Remi, because I remember being on holiday in Brussels and kind of Tintin was everywhere. But it was Hergé's, the kind of. And I don't know that's obviously a pen name, but I don't know if Georges Remi is was the the author's actual it?
0: name. Yeah. What do you think? I um, I'm I'm happy to go with that. Adventures of Tintin sounds like a good answer for me. So
2: yeah, yeah, we'll say Tintin then, Thomas. Spot on,
1: absolutely oh, right. George Remy's pen name was Hershey, and oh. he did write the Adventures of Tintin. So that yeah. is bang on. Man.
2: Oh, excellent. Hey. That was that was a shot in the dark. That one. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Fantastic. Oh, that was really hey.
1: good. You've only got one mere world literature question to answer. You'll be pleased to hear. And that's, it is. That's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> and the last question is, who collectively are Athos, Orthos and Aramis?
2: I
0: actually mean... had the thought in my head of The Three Amigos, but I think that's a Steve Martin film. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's right. You're
2: nearly there, though. We're nearly there. Because there was, um, I'm thinking of um, that cartoon when I was a boy, and it was um, of that. But there's been various films of it as well, hasn't there? Um, The
0: the Dog Tanyan thing? uh Aha, aha, aha.
2: See, we're the same age, Chris, you can tell. You can tell (laughs) we grew up in the 80s. Well, uh, Musketeers, hey? Yeah,
0: yeah, must be Musketeers, not Steve Martin and Chevy Chase and the other one that I can't remember. (laughs)
2: <laughs> the three amigos. Well was the, the, the Musketeers, Thomas, the three musketeers. You sure you don't want to go for Musk Hounds? Oh, there you go. That was the cartoon. <laughs> was the cartoon.
1: Um, but you're not know, you're totally spying on is the three musketeers oh, who brilliant.
2: were Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Brilliant. Oh, fantastic. That was a really good one. That was um can you remember the author? I always get this one mixed up. Was it Dan was it wasn't Daniel Defoe that was I can't remember the, the author of the musketeers it was something like that like Dumas that. Dumas that's right there you go I always get that one mixed up ah fantastic just swashbuckling adventure absolutely brilliant, brilliant. Films is not so great but Doctanyan was in the Three musket was brilliant was brilliant and what a think tune <laughs> as well we're not going to torture the listeners by singing it but no. it was an, it <laughs> it's
0: on youtube it's we fabulous don't
1: want, we don't want to do that all uh, right no. Kind of related, we knew move on a children's books, which mm. is our third last category. Children's books. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. How old was Adrian Mole when he wrote the first of his secret diaries in 1982?
0: Oh no. <clears> this <throat> uh, one has got a fraction in the title. Aha. Aha.
2: But do you know, Chris, there was a whole series of those books involved um, in fractions uh, and, and several of them probably <laughs> did uh-huh. <laughs> oh um, no now, now oh gosh i don't know is it like it's like eight and a quarter or something or is it higher than that that's such a tough one is it 13 it's not yeah. quite as young as eight and a quarter I don't know they were really big books at the time th- as well.
0: I was thinking like seven and a half but I don't know if was a complete utter guess. Um, mm-hmm. I just know there's a, a the like say the quarter or the, or the half or the three quarters or something there.
2: Yeah they were really really good books the whole series wasn't there and then it followed him all the way through his life it was really quite innovative as well it was like you know from a child all the way through adulthood to to kind of fatherhood and beyond and all of that type of thing. They were excellent books. I don't know, Chris. A quarter. We, will we settle on the fraction and then we'll just pick an age? A
0: right, quarter. A quarter. Uh, I, I'm, I think a half seems to to like in <laughs> <Too> the middle. <laughs> <laughs> a half's
2: more specific so, than a quarter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So so,
0: so we'll, we'll go for yeah. We'll go for a quarter.
2: Right. And what um, what kind of age? anything between I don't know so if you think what's what's good what's good content at what age would be because they were quite kind of comic and funny th- those novels so what's good teenage
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: f- I don't know 14 what do you think something like that yeah let's go 14, cool 14
0: and a quarter
2: 14 and a quarter 14 and a quarter Tom <laughs> that's your final answer is it uh, aye. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for
1: he's it. These are only out by six months. The oh, first oh. was The Secret Diary of Adrian
2: Mole, aged 13 and three quarters. Oh, oh. there you oh. go. Nearly. Oh, that was close, by the way. When Very you, close. You, you don't said exactly. We deserve half a mark for that, really. Or three quarters of a mark. you a <laughs> Brilliant. That was hard. That, well, was, that was hard. Was,
1: that was a really good guess, and uh, like you say, there were a lot of the books following him throughout his life, and you know they were really moving, touching books towards the end. Actually, no purely funny ones. It's, uh, uh, it's a great series. Really but aye, thirteen and three quarters was when Adrian Mole first put penny paper. There you go. That's All right. Second and last children's literature question: Who, collectively, were Julian, Dick, Anne, George,
2: and Timmy? Mm-hmm. Now I, I I don't know this Chris, but I'm going to say they were Enid Blyton, right? Yeah. But I don't know because there was different sort of series of Enid Blyton.
0: Yeah. Um. So, so how many how many names are there? The <laughs> that may <No>. help.
1: <laughs> that was Julian, Beck, Anne, George, and Timmy. So that's
0: five. There you go. There is a there is a famous five in in the series. So, yeah are, are we going to go with in uh, fam- the fame the famous five?
2: That's a really good process of kind of thought there, Chris. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> We're going to go with the famous five, Thomas.
1: Well, you're absolutely right about the number of different Enid Blyton series there were with various numbers of different members, like the Secret Seven. Because and in fact, there was two that had five in it. There was the five fine doubters and there was the famous
2: five. You guys are right. Timmy, yes. George, Dickon and I don't think were the I'd famous heard five. Ah, yeah. that would never have got the other ones. The, fi- the five find five doubters. doubters.
0: Oh, my. I don't God. think I've heard of that
2: one. No, that's a new
1: one on mm-hmm. me too. Yeah. You have to have worked in a school library to know all <laughs> the Enid Blyton books, Chris. I know every single last one, Faraway Tree, the whole thing going,
2: it's,
1: uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. never went out of fashion, never stopped no. being popular I have Still
2: to say. Perfect, huh? No, I've got a really good Enid Blyton story, um, we were clearing out our basement in Airdrie Library and there was a, a load of old books, and one of them we happened to open and it was a, a handwritten index on the, the front page. And it said, um, page five, letter to the library from Enid Blyton. Wow and we kind of flicked through, hurriedly flicked through to page five and of course the letter wasn't there but we turned over to page six and inside a wee sleeve on page six was the envelope that she had sent the, the letter in and it was addressed to the library and it was in her handwriting and it was the postmark was Little Winging was where Enid Blyton actually lived and I was telling my colleague who's now retired who was our local studies hist- historian up there about it and he said i all know I know all about this letter and went to a book in the archive and produced it and the letter had been found years before and it wow. was in the archive well, it was fantastic. She wrote to the library in the 1950s and it was about um, a display that we had done in about Noddy in, ni- in the 1950s. So she, she'd written a letter and it's kept in the archives here in Airdrie. So there it's you still go. there. That's yeah. amazing. A fabulous but you, had
1: very, you had your very own mystery that you solved.
2: Yes, there you go. I, <laughs> I don't know what I would be, but you know. I,
0: <laughs> I could be the part of that. The library in one. <laughs> I, I, I,
2: I, that's, so there you go.
1: That's a good one. All right. So two mere uh, sections. Classics is the next gen. Okay. And the first question to the classic section is, which Emily Bronte novel was the inspiration for a song by Kate Bush? Right which
0: true, Emily
1: I, Bronte novel was the inspiration for a song by Kate Bush?
0: I think you seem like a kind of classics kind of person, Drew. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not so much of a classics person. I'm, I'm uh, waiting for the... the kind of- <laughs>
2: Well I, I'll, I'll, More I
0: will, f- fiction.
2: well, I was going to say, Chris, what I will say, if it was any other Emily Bronte book, Thomas, other than the Kate Bush one, I was completely out, because that's the only one I can do. <laughs> for you. Um, do, do you remember, Kate Bush was fabulous, and that was a massive album, and the kind of, the sort of, as, when I was a boy, I remember this, um, Wuthering Heights, you not remember? Um, it was really kind of, it's a fabulous album what a singer as well, Wuthering Heights for that one Thomas, because it's the only one I know so, sadly of Emily Bronte That
0: That's the only Emily Bronte novel that comes to mind for me either, so so I think that would have to be my guess too Unfortunately
1: yeah. well, that's the one that Kate Fish cool. wrote a song about that
2: everybody yeah. knows <laughs> 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 Even if they don't know it they know it as soon as they hear it Aye Aye, what a brilliant tune! That's fabulous. Thank goodness you made that one, because I was—we were all out of there was any other Emily Bronte. One. <laughs>
1: well, that's good because you're going to enjoy the next question, which is also about Emily Bronte. Oh well, no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Skip that one. <laughs> right, question two for classics: Elizabeth Bennet is a character from which beloved and oft-filmed novel?
2: Mm classics. Oh yeah. What's off film then, Chris? There's what's any of... an,
0: Austin, an Austin one, surely.
2: Oh oh I didn't think of that yeah. actually, yeah. I was away on to, i was a way on a war and peace or something there. But, um, that's I <laughs> that may be wrong. wrong. Well. <laughs> so what's what's Jane Austen got Emma? There is Mansfield whatever it's called Mansfield Park. There is persuasion there
0: is. What's the other ones? Was um, there not? Um, like I say, I'm, I'm not big on reading classic novels, but was there not one spelled with with Natalie Portman? Was she not in one?
2: Yeah, Sense and Sensibility is that. and I, I, I get all of these ones mixed up. There was also Pride and Prejudice. There was also. Uh, I don't know. It could, it could be any one of those. What was the character again, Thomas? Elizabeth oh, Bennet. Elizabeth Bennet. Uh, do you know, the only thing I'll say though on this one, Chris, my wife's a big fan of um, Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice is the one that stands out for me on that because just because my wife likes that. So I would say Pride, okay. pride and Prejudice. I'm only, I'm only
0: putting faith in your your
2: wife um, <laughs> novel let's um, say that we'll say pride Bill. and prejudice thomas but with no confidence and
0: we can have work with her afterwards if aye, aye, aye.
1: <laughs> well you should be confident at least in your wife because Elizabeth bennett is indeed fake
2: pride and prejudice yes, mm-hmm. yes. brilliant now that was a pure guess that one by the way
0: <laughs>
2: that was a total guess excellent
1: brilliant all right, so we've got one, two, three, four more questions left. Last question in classics is: In which play by Shakespeare does the line "Alas, poor Yorick" appear?
0: A bit like Burns, I'm not massive on uh, my knowledge of Shakespeare, so yeah, that's the water.
2: one. That's <clears throat> the one where he's he's holding the the skull. When he's doing the speech, so it's like a sol- yeah. soliloquy, isn't it? Is that Hamlet? Ah, uh, there you go. I always get Hamlet and
0: Macbeth mixed up. well is it? But I've
2: got, no, no, You're making me doubt myself. does your gut say Hamlet though?
0: When you said the skull thing, Aye. that makes me think Hamlet. But more
2: yeah. than more than Macbeth, or more than anything other like Julius Caesar, or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well if your gut says Hamlet, will we go be Hamlet?
0: I can't think of it. the the only one that I know fairly well is Romeo and Juliet and I'm pretty sure that I can't remember. Uh-huh. That being part of that.
2: Aye, Aye. So will we go be Hamlet then?
0: Okay.
1: Right.
2: We'll, we'll say Hamlet. Hamlet, Thomas. All right. Well, you're absolutely
1: right about the circumstances of the speech <clears throat> that is gained by the main character to a skull, the skull of his former court jester who was called Yorick. And the person who gives the speech is
2: indeed Hamlet, Prince yes, of Denmark.
1: So yes. you're absolutely right. And first, wow.
2: Hamlet. Oh, that was good. That was a process of elimination there as well.
0: <laughs> that was hard.
2: I always get Hamlet and Macbeth mixed up. There oh, you go. Everybody does. Everybody. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. One's the Prince of Denmark and one's Scottish. That's right. That's right, isn't it?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Ah, OK, OK. Got you. Brilliant.
1: Brilliant. Well done, guys. All right, last and but not least, modern literature. Three questions to round off. with. Mm-hmm. First question is: Robert Galbraith is the pseudonym of which writer?
0: Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, I, I know this one. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. We'll go for it then. Yeah, Robert Galbraith is none other than J.K. Rowling. Oh, good one.
1: Robert Galbraith is none other than J.K. Rowling. Yeah,
2: absolutely right. Well done Chris, well done. Is that the Cormoran Strike books? That's the ones, yeah.
1: Thomas. Yes. That's absolutely right, it's the detective novels.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah those were really good, those were really good. I don't think, I, I've just heard really good things about them they're, and they're, they're very popular when we do have them in, in the library. I think the, the last one was, le- was it Lethal? fight or something like that. There was a long waiting list I think
0: for the it. the last one was Troubled Blood I think it's, well, it's the one after yeah. that Aye. and I think there's a new one coming out later this year as well um, Brilliant. I, I believe. Excellent oh, I'll keep
2: an eye out for that.
1: I'm gonna have to <laughs> admit that I've never read any JK Rowling or Robert Galbraith apart from the Harry Potter books so, so I don't know <laughs> I don't know what I'm missing but for what you guys are saying it mm. sounds like I'm missing out something special.
0: Yes what, what, was, what was the one that she released under jk Rowan that didn't do so well or that wasn't so well received
2: the first one was it was called the casual vacancy Vacancy, and it was about it was as far removed from harry potter as you could get it was it was about small time small town village sort of politics and life and and all of these sort of things and it was that was under her own name it was the first book after harry potter wasn't it ah that was excellent right brilliant okay so two
1: sorry, three more questions bring us up to 20 modern literature still which series of books which has sold over 100 million copies worldwide features
2: as its protagonist Katniss Everdeen mm.
0: this, is, this is my category
2: first, I was about to say I, I bow to you on this one you know I you know you're on you
0: <laughs> <as laughs> the Hunger Games series
1: it is the Hunger Games series Chris you're right have you read which, them
0: I I love the Hunger Games books. I I queued to get the third one when it came out um, and things like that sort of stuff. In fact, actually... We, my wife and I both love the Hunger Games book, and we, we loved it so much that we bought two copies of the last one because on the night it came out, because we both wanted to read it so badly, we had to have a copy each. So, <laughs> well, so yeah. uh, there you go. And uh, and of course, it, it's, it's inspired loads of other kind of similar series as well, like Divergent and um, The Maze Runner, and things like that sort of stuff that a lot of folk have kinda tried to kind of. So that same sort of dystopian YA fiction thing, and and um, which are, they're, they're also great series as well, but I, I don't think any of them touched the the, the original, which is yeah. the, the Hunger Games, which are amazing, fantastic. <laughs>
2: was there a, there was, there was a kind of companion book fairly recently, Chris, wasn't there, that, that was like a... Um,
0: yeah, a, I'm trying to think of what the name of that was now, but I can't off the top of my head, but um, yeah, it's, uh, there was one, I've not actually read that one, to be honest, um, it was like the original trilogy was fantastic, yeah, The Ballad of, the Ballad yeah. of London, Something Ballad. or Other,
2: and it was from the perspective of... Or it was a kinda of more of a sort of exploration of the world, you know, or of the perspective of another sort of main character or something like that. But it yeah. was that was I I never know the order of those books. I I like, I remember at the time you've been very excited about them, um, yeah. as were a lot of people, as were a lot of people. I was just probably even too old and curmudgeonly at that point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I, yeah, I, I, I try and claim um, responsibility for kind of introducing a lot of people to it over here because I, I first came across it on uh, Goodreads, <clears throat> it came up in my, my Goodreads suggestion thing because it was huge in America before it came here, Um, the book, and um. And I got a copy of it because it was like it was like rated so highly on there, and and I've completely and utterly fell in love with it. And then like told everybody who would actually listen to me and probably bored people to to death about how <laughs> amazing it was, um and uh, championed it to the to everybody that I could speak to about the Hunker Games. But um yeah, so it was, it was an amazing one, and it was one of those ones that you just kind of stumbled across in a really kind of accidental way, and and end up it was amazing. And then obviously it became an absolute global phenomenon. So. Yeah.
1: I so I've never read them because, having worked in a school library, they didn't stay on the shelves for long enough. Which is ah. back away, back away, back away. I must have bought about twenty copies of every
2: each individual uh, Hunger Games book just because they disappeared all the time. Oh my mm. goodness! How did you, I mean, at that time, Thomas, everybody was reading those books, weren't they? And did mm. you find out with the, with your your pupils? They were all obviously they were all kind of they were all into it. How did you talk to them about it, though, if you never managed to kind of read it? How did you know what they were talking about? <laughs> well,
1: I just, Funnily enough, pupils are quite keen, and young people are quite keen to talk about themselves, so I just asked them questions about it as if uh-huh. I knew what I was talking about, and they were always, and I, I picked up what the stories were about just through long recitations of every single thing that happens in every <laughs> single book, and obviously once the films came out, then you know, it was, you couldn't not know what Hunger Games was about, but Aye, aye. The kids absolutely loved it there, and it was it was right across the demographic. It wasn't just yeah. young younger kids. It was seniors. It wasn't just girls. It was boys. It was everybody. And so, yeah, I think I,
0: it's one of those. I, I feel it's I think it's one of those series that kind of really captured um, sort of that kind of teenage audience, and in a similar way to kind of like the Twilight series did, and and even my kind of sort of the older part of the Harry Potter books, which kind of started kind of verging into sort of YA territory, I'm to. And they kind of really captured the, the kind of readers that, that, that of that age and kind of they, they really passionately fell in love with the stories and, and the characters in, in, involved uh, in
2: them. It was a golden age of YA writing at that time, wasn't it? There? Yeah, there was definitely. all of those series all happening at the, more or less at the same time. And if you were a young person at that point, you you, you were spoiled for choice with all of this, this wonderful sort of writing. And, and then to see that again in turn on the big screen for all, a lot of these series as well, it was, it was a fantastic time a fantastic time
1: yeah yeah absolutely was I think mean, well sticking with uh kind of sticking with YA literature a wee bit more uh, a we bit more off the beaten track though modern literature second last question Holden Caulfield an icon for teenage angst and rebellion
2: is a fictional character in which American literary classic oh I know this one Chris I know this one okay Because this is um, quite a kind of famous, nay, infamous book. Um, But it's quite an older one now. Uh, Have you got any idea on this one, Chris? I think I know that, though. I have to, admit, I don't know. Uh, Holden Caulfield, um, Catcher in the Rye. It's uh-huh. that it's a kind of famous sort of anti-hero and a, a sort of figure of teenage rebellion and has been for generations as one of these characters that young people can kind of hook into and really really relate to. So, well, we say we'll say Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, I've
0: I've, I've never read Catcher in the Rye. I'm I'm one of these people who kind of came to reading quite late. In in life a bit and, uh, and fell in love with reading a bit later than most and uh, and it's one of those things that I've always wanted to read but people always I, you keep people hear, hearing people saying that whenever they read the catch in their eye later in life it's not as it doesn't seem yeah. as as um and kind of. Impactful as as you are when you're a teenager, so I I don't know if I've missed the boat. Yeah, (laughs) and sadly no longer anywhere near being a
2: teenager. I think that's a really interesting point because that is the type of book that that you know would split the generations. If you were a teenager and you read that book, it would be massively. Influential on you, but again, you know, like if you're uh, our side of teenagehood, I' nowhere near it. <laughs> <laughs> you would be like, um "All right, what is all the fuss about?" You know, it's, it's, especially nowadays, because I th- that book was maybe the 50s or something like that. I don't know, and and a lot of the cultural references and all all that kind of thing, you just wouldn't sort of you know get on board with at this point in time. So, mm. I think at the time it was revolutionary, and that's obviously at the time when teenagers were p- becoming a a cultural force themselves, you know. So but we'll say catcher in the eye, mm. Thomas.
1: The catcher in the eye is the right
2: answer. And it's yes. been really
1: interesting listening to you talk about the catcher in the eye <laughs> as well, because I, I got made to read it at school by I had a brilliant English teacher called Mr. Love and he forced us to read it. And I don't know how many of the folk who read it over went on to become great readers or to read many other books. But I know that everybody who read it in that higher English class back in 19 19- <clears throat> <laughs> Really, really <laughs> had the world view changed by it. And really? I can imagine reading it as an adult, as a fully fledged adult, is a different
2: experience. But reading it as a 16
1: year old, it, it was uh, something special. Wow,
2: that's dead interesting. So you, you got at your peak moment to read that book you did? Uh-huh. Absolutely right. I, uh-huh. I, 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 uh-huh. That made up for the fact that he made his read 1984 <laughs> as well. That was oh, my <laughs> peak moment for reading oh, 1984. No. I think that's a wonderful book. Again, similar, I get made to read that at school and it was the same sort of experience. That's a wonderful book as well. But Catching really? Their Eyes, an interesting one. It's an uh, interesting one.
1: 1984 is kind of like the opposite. I don't think you can possibly appreciate it at 16, but when yeah. you're older and you realise you, re- you do, you Good do point. really see. I, I recently reread it and I was like, this is astonishing. What? How, how did I not like this when I was a kid? Like, because I was a kid, that's why I didn't like uh-huh. it when
2: I was a kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's a really good point that's a really good point so do you think that's do you think that's the kind of thing though you know it it depends when you need something and depends when you sort of come to it and at what point in your own life and what your own context is um whether you're going to enjoy things as much as as much as you maybe should or as much as you might at other points in your life do you think that's a kind of fair
1: all these books that Mm. used to get crammed in your throat is American, especially American classics that were about middle-aged men having life, middle-aged, mid-life crises and, you know, all the rest. And you just think, what's this guy's problem? What's, you know, he's, he's got a great life. And as you get older, suddenly you think, oh, wait, no, no, no I, I kind of get this a wee bit now.
2: Huh? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Brilliant. That makes
1: <laughs> sense <laughs> all of a sudden. righty, well, that's 18 19 so far. These have got one more question left on modern literature. And that question is, which author is best known for his best selling series of epic fantasy books, A Song of Ice and Fire?
0: Mm-hmm. I know this oh, one there, too, Drew.
2: Oh, there you go, Chris. There you go. Right.
0: It is George R. R. Martin. It is absolutely George R. Yay.
2: Hey! Excellent. Well, it's funny right. that George R. R. Martin and there's J. R. R. Tolkien you
0: know if yeah. <laughs> oh, the I what the R's stand for in Aye,
2: aye, who broadly plough the same sort of thing. Aye, excellent. Well done, Chris. So that's Game of Thrones then? Yeah, that's Game yeah. of Thrones then. If I, either you read
1: any of the Game of Thrones books? I'll hold my hands no, up. I love the TV show, but haven't you read any of
0: the books? I haven't read the books, however. Um, I, I think my wife read the first one, and I think it the, 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 the starts off quite close to the books, I think, but then I think it ver- verges off a little bit as it goes on um but um but yeah the t the tv show was was out of this world as far as i'm I've oh. my favorite tv show for a long time so aye. Aye, aye. Do you
2: know I, i'm one of those people I've, I've not read a word of them or watched a minute of the tv thing i'm just i'm rubbish i'm just rubbish <laughs> the, the tv thing when it came onto my sort of radar it was already four series deep you know and i just think yeah. oh I, I can't be bothered with that but by all accounts everyone, the whole world was, was a fan of that
0: and yeah. the books as well you know. I think that's my problem a little bit with the books because I saw so much of the TV show before that I kind of really kind of thinking maybe I should do the books and then um, by that point I had kind of got too far into the story and then it's like is, is it really worth catching up I don't know mm-hmm. and then stuff like that so I, I have just never got quite, quite got around to it but um but I'm sure they're fantastic books. Yeah yeah very, very uh, that awful. is
1: absolutely the same Chris I, I started trying to read the very first one and I just couldn't get past the imagery in my head of the the tv series or but oh, this is what this character looks like this is what this character talks like this is what this character does and it was it's just over and plus you know the books are a pretty big investment in time yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: yeah so uh, I I'm sure that I'm sure they're great books. I know a few people who have read the whole series. Oh
2: yeah,
1: enough good things about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They're they're very they're. You know, ten out of ten if you can get through them as well. In terms of time investment, as you say, Thomas, because they are they are mighty tomes. They are mm, mighty yeah. tomes, but everyone I know that's read them absolutely raves about them. So I'm clearly missing out because I'm just rubbish not read either <laughs> or watched but, any of the TV. Well,
0: I think it'll be interesting though, is because I don't think he's finished writing the series, but obviously the TV series is finished. So, well, the books kind of differ from how the TV series ended and, and things like that, or, or will it continue on past the point of the TV series ended? Right. I hope I they probably.
1: will differ from the way the TV series yeah, this, ended, I really hope so, because that's pretty
0: of yeah, those. It's one of those, uh, it's one of those uh, the TV show, I think a, a lot of TV shows suffer that, like, whenever they get so successful, they kind of get to the point where of like, how on earth are we going to end this? And then they nice. they totally bodge the ending and it kind of leaves all the fans a bit dissatisfied with it all mm-hmm. um so hopefully mr martin will be able to fix that for the fans in the future whenever the next books can
1: well, if there's ever a reason to read one of the books, then it would be to get a different ending for the one that we got in the TV. Series <laughs> uh-huh. there you go. Okay, guys, well that's the end of the World Book Night quiz, and I'm delighted to say that our librarians got a stunning total of 19 out of 20. Yeah, well done.
2: well done, us. Um, well done, Chris.
0: I'm just going to put it out there. I think the majority of those points came from Drew rather <laughs> than myself. But,
2: Not uh, at all. Until but we got to see that uh,
0: the, the, we worked as a team.
2: <laughs> We surely <laughs> did until we got to the the young adult stuff, and then I just tapped out, you know. And and and, and you de- can I just say, Chris, your deductive reasoning on the Enid Blyton, and the Enid Blyton question was the reason that we got that. You, you counted that there was five of them, and we, we went for it. I never even thought of that. So well done, you. <laughs> well I done, agree. you. We got there. We got
0: there. I think we did pretty well, too. I'm, I'm impressed with
2: that. <laughs> I agree. I'm happy. That's that's a good afternoon's work.
0: I don't think there'll
1: be many people out there that got 20 out of 20 but obviously if somebody did we'd be delighted to hear from them. We
0: absolutely would. Feel free free to let us know your scores on our social media posts about this podcast episode we'd love to hear if you actually took part um, and uh, and, uh, and answered the questions yourself and how many you got right and especially if you got 20 out of 20 because Some of them were pretty tough, and um, I certainly wouldn't have got 19 out of 20 on on my own. um,
2: Same, same. Well done, Chris. We should, we'll do that again. You and I can do the (laughs) quiz team again the next time we do a quiz. Fabulous. Well done, Thomas. They were excellent questions as well. I'm super impressed. Uh, (laughs) I'm super
1: impressed and a bit disappointed that you did so well, but (laughs) (laughs) make it a bit harder
2: next time. (laughs) I was going to say.
0: Well, before we finish up the podcast, I want to throw a wee book question at you guys because we're it is a book recommendation podcast normally. So what are you guys reading at the moment? Um and Drew, what's what are you flicking through at the moment while you're reading?
2: Well, I we've got a, a lot of really good new books that have come in over the last kind of few weeks here in there, Chris, but I've been catching up with um one author in particular um has really sort of caught me over the last few weeks and it's an author called Janice Hallett who's just written two books just now um the first book is wonderful it's called The Appeal and it it sort of came out um 2019 2020 something like that and and style is very uh, well uh, at least on the surface it's very similar to Richard Osman's Thursday Murder Club series These books were wonderful, but I'm not necessarily a fan of of that sort of genre, but the Janice Hallett one is written um, in a series of emails and a series of text correspondences. So it's like an old sort of epistolatory novel from almost from the 19th century. And as you read these texts and emails, uh, uh, a very cosy sort of mystery unravels and becomes a a much darker and much deeper sort of conspiracy within a small village and within a group of amateur dramatics players in particular. It's called Mm. The Appeal and it's really, really good and it's really, really um, different. And our second book has just come out there and it's just arrived in our libraries over the last couple of weeks. It's called The Twyford Code. And it's something similar, again, it's told through a series of correspondences, and it's a a, a small mystery that gradually unravels into a much, much bigger one. So I would recommend any of those two for for anybody out there. Not necessarily, I'm not necessarily a fan of of crime fiction, I should say, but those books really grab me because they are very, very different, but they are excellent. So anything by Janice Mm. Hallett. I
0: I really like whenever authors kind of break the traditional kind of way of writing a book a little bit and kind of do something a little bit different like that. So that that sounds interesting. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. What about you, Thomas? What have you been reading recently?
1: Uh, So I've been reading a non-fiction book, um, which I think it was the last year or so it came out. It was called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. And it's a science book about the science of sleep. Mm-hmm. and the evolutionary reasons for it and what it actually does for us physically and mentally. And a lot it's an absolutely fascinating book. And if you're ever tempted to skimp on sleep, and I know a lot of us are, then it's something you really need to read because it makes such a strong case for why sleep is important to us in the present and in the future, what it does for our bodies, what it does for them. I don't like reading, actually. You know, the things that it does for our mind that we don't even know uh yeah. it's doing the, the the way that sleep helps us to process trauma, the way that sleep helps us to remember, actually, believe it or not, apparently sleep consolidates memories in your your brain and you remember a lot better after you've had the sleep than before you've had the sleep. And there's a bit bits about nature and about, you know, how certain animals sleep and it's absolutely fascinating. I know you, you doesn't why we sleep doesn't sound like the most promising book title in the world, but honestly. <laughs>
0: brilliant book, I kind of recognize oh, that. Does sound, it does sound a bit, quite fascinating actually about uh, the various different things that affect and things like that, so that's good. That's um, I, I'm completely behind the time for this but I, I'm currently reading Chuggy Bain because um, oh, I have oh, not yeah. had the chance to can actually read that as of yet, so I have literally just started that. And I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've literally just started it, but it's already caught my attention. I can see 100% why it has been so successful and is so well uh, well received by everyone that's read it so far. So um, I could, because obviously Young Mungo came out recently yeah, yeah. and I thought I can't really read that one before reading the first one. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought uh, I know they're not a series, but uh, but I, I kind of feel as if I just it should, you should just kind of read the big f- famous one first before before kind of the the fall the kind follow-up of novel. So mm,
2: that's,
0: that's why I'm start. reading them on.
2: That was a stunning book, Shuggy being absolutely stunning, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: that's pretty much what everyone says about it. So I'm looking for. I'm really looking forward to getting kind of further into it and kind of um, finally actually getting around to it and seeing what all the fuss was about, for mm. thing, so mm. that should be good. Yeah. Before we kind of finish up, um, we've got a few week service updates. Drew will be very happy to um, let us know that the Chapel Hall Library is returning to its full-time hours after yeah. such a long time. On reduced hours with the, the COVID restrictions and things like that. So um, we are going back to full time hours there on Monday the 9th of May, is that correct?
2: Drew? Monday the 9th of May, yeah, back to the, the hours as they were before. So we're absolutely delighted with that, absolutely delighted.
0: And those hours, for anyone who can't remember, because it has been such a long, long time, is Monday to Wednesday 10 to 5, Thursday. 2 till 7 and Friday 10 till 2 so that is when we, the, the chapel Hall will be available from Monday the 9th of May so that's fantastic and that's about an exclusive reveal on the podcast as well because we haven't actually announced that anywhere on, online yet so that's quite a, a, a little scoop for any of the listeners who from Chapel Hall if you're, if you're from there. The other, the other big thing we want to mention is that we did launch a poetry competition on World Poetry Day, um, and we are that poetry competition basically is to get your poem published in on our borrow Box service on National Poetry Day, which is in October. So you can go onto the website and go to www.culturenl.co.uk slash poetry competition, and you can find out all about how to enter that. And And the theme of the, the poems is stories. So it can really kind of open and you can find find your own way out how to kind of write a poem about that and Thomas will be hosting um, some workshops about writing poetry at some point in the near future as well if you're kind of needing a little bit of help to get started and, and sorted so do watch out for those whenever we get the dates for them confirmed. And finally, and um, we have just announced recently that we will we'll be celebrating the 60th anniversary of the library service being in New Maines. So it's not always been in the same location, but there has been a library in New Maines for the last 60 years. And the staff there really want to celebrate it and make a big deal about the fact that it has been there for so long. And they're putting together a fantastic fun day um, in June. And but as part of that, they are looking for anyone who has used New Maines Library to submit their memory of using the library and which will be kind of become a part of a big display that they're putting together. And if you want to submit a memory, you can do that by going to www.culturenail.co.key slash newmains60 and you can submit your memory online. So that's going to be a fab day for anyone associated to with New Main's library as well. If you have enjoyed this episode of the podcast, you can leave us some feedback using the hashtag hashtag FLBPodcast or by dropping us a wee email to librarypodcast at northland.gov.uk. But that's all for us just now, guys. Thank you, Drew and Thomas, for joining us. And thanks especially to Thomas for coming up with such a great quiz and putting Drew and I under the spotlight (laughs) of of their uh, literary knowledge. So that would be fantastic. So thank you, guys.
2: Thanks, Chris. Chris. Thanks, Thomas.
0: And that's all for us, guys.
2: Bye bye now.